the challenges that we're facing, they are super hard and super complex. So if you do not invest in those innovations and kind of encourage risk taking, you cannot expect to solve anything in the future. Welcome to Joy at Work. I'm your host, Alex Liu, Managing Partner and Chairman at Carney. This season on Joy at Work, we'll talk to people who are driving innovation using joy as their fuel and their foundation. Today, I'm welcoming Irika Savalainen. Irika is CEO of Slush, a truly incredible organization based in Finland that is dedicated to fueling innovation and entrepreneurship. Erika represents the next generation of innovation, and I can't wait to hear her perspective on joy and tackling hard problems. So welcome, Erika. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for inviting me. Happy to be here. Yes. First, I'd love to hear from you. What do you think when you hear the term joy at work? Joy at work. It's a good question. I think that the first things that come to my mind are those kind of times where you work together with your team, tackling some challenge that you all kind of find insightful and meaningful and working very hard and finally overcoming with the solutions. But what's more important is kind of how that makes you feel, like whether you get energy from that, whether you actually get exciting, what you get out of your team members, how do you work together? And if at the end of the day, you feel that you kind of learned something that you didn't know when you started the day, I think that's joyful. Yeah, so teamwork, and learning, curiosity, getting along, but also having a team purpose seems to be key aspects of what you're referring to. You also mentioned, Erika, the importance of impact. And obviously you are doing some really trailblazing stuff, but how are you in your organization and yourself helping make some of the big changes that you'd like to see happen in the world? What are you doing? Yeah, definitely. So Slush has originally been founded already in 2008, so a couple of years ago. And back then, um, Slush was founded to basically solve three problems. So young students here in Helsinki, Finland, they got quite worried about the future of Finland. So first of all, we did didn't really have a kind of culture of entrepreneurship here in Finland. It was something that people kind of felt that is scary, maybe too risky, and not many young people went to kind of start their own companies. Because of that, uh, we also lacked advice. So we didn't really have people who built companies before to help the kind of new generations in, in what they do. And lastly, there was like international venture capital was completely inexistent in Finland, which means that kind of resources for uh, ambitious company building were, were quite scarce. And these students started kind of figuring out how they could change this and their tool or and the main event we have became their tool for that. So they got to get growing it and kept to get a bar of ambition very high. So the goal has always been to have everyone in startups, everyone in BC uh, to fly over to Helsinki to meet each other to kind of ensure the tech system grows. And during the past 10 years, yes, we've been quite successful. So Finland does have a super, super active entrepreneurial ecosystem right now. We're actually among the kind of top 10 cities uh, when you measure European cities by capital invested in Europe, which is quite huge, uh, taking into account how small City Helsinki is alone. And got a first generation of founders have uh, started to exit their companies and now they have resources and advice they can kind of give over to next generations. And yeah, I've personally been part of the team for three years now. As a starter, I joined for I don't know, out of curiosity, I wanted to learn more about building companies. And each year I've 
kind of felt that this is the best place for me for kind of learning everything I can about building companies before I actually go and start building my own thing in the future. I mean, you're right that Finland has really been a great living laboratory of innovation, actually all of Scandinavia. You've got a good magnet there. I mean, I can see you're excited. I just want to hear more about how you thought about it three years ago. To me, it comes down to impact and maybe kind of control over your work even. So I kind of felt that at Slush, I'm able to immediately see the results of my work around me. And whenever I kind of felt that I had learned the thing that was maybe new to me, I had grown into the next stage, so to say, there was always more responsibilities to take on, always a new challenge to jump into. So you're kind of constantly able to grow and push yourself forward. And that was kind of very addictive for me. It kind of made me realize that I am actually in charge of what happens in my life. So I do not need to climb those ladders that someone else has defined, kind of able to define my path myself. Thus far, I've enjoyed it. Yes. No, I mean, this sense of empowerment and flexibility and the impact, that's amazing. Now, I, you know, I have three adult children, they're millennials. And what they tell me also is, oh, well, you know, the, the generations are different. We have much more impatience. We want to solve the problems that you created, dad, and we want to, you know, stake our own claim. And I wanted to explore that a bit. Do you see a generational difference in how problems and innovation is being tackled from what you've seen in your world? Yeah, definitely. Of course, this is a question that I like look from my perspective. So if you ask about generational differences, I might not be able to even see those because I'm part of my generation, <laughs> not the previous ones. However, something that we talk a lot for example, with my team or with the customers, startups joining Slush, is this kind of a feeling that all easy problems have been solved, so to say, and now we have only the hard ones left. And what that means is that it might even feel kind of overwhelming because of course, everyone wants to work on a problem that they think is important or impactful or, or matters for the world. But then at the same time, if those challenges are extremely complex and extremely hard, you might not know whether you're actually the one who's going to change the game or have the impact. And to me, it seems that many people actually, they put a lot of importance on what are the topics or problems they're working on and kind of understand that it might be that they alone are not able to solve the thing they're solving. How However, they're contributing to something much more important and kind of creating the ecosystem and momentum around it. And then through that ecosystem, probably the solutions will emerge. That's how you change the world. I mean, what do you think are some of the biggest problems that your founder community and network are looking at? I mean, obviously climate's there, but others that seem top of mind? Yeah, well, cli climate is naturally clear. Then something else that is quite popular is kind of quality of life of elderly people. There are more and more people who will need care and support towards the end of their lives. And we might not have those sustainable solutions for kind of providing that support for, for these people. Then, of course, like very topical things like food and energy now, especially when we have the unfortunate war and crisis here in Europe. So those are important. And yes, inequality, uh, depending on the country, <laughs> that's more or less important, but something that's topical. Now, I'm just curious, when you have these communities, there's obviously networking with other founders who have a certain purpose and a certain problem they're trying to solve. What other value add do you provide to this community to solve these great problems, which we all agree we need to fix? 
we have two main tools, one of which you already uh, mentioned. So we aim to bring people together so that those people who are relevant to each other actually have a chance to meet. And quite often something beautiful comes out of that. It might be founders and investors, but quite often it's also some corporate partners, partners from the universities or research community, customers, advisors, and these kind of people. Then another thing that we aim to do really help really well is to help with advice. So basically, we aim to curate both our kind of stage content and also every side event or smaller mentoring session we organize towards kind of tackling the issues of the founders in the very early stages and kind of supporting them in those bottlenecks of their growth. We do recognize, like as I said, uh, most of our employees are rather young. Some are still students. So we do recognize that we don't have tools for solving all those issues. But what we do have is the networks. So we aim to kind of invite the best people on each and every topic to share their knowledge to the community. And then maybe the kind of third way we aim to create impact is actually our own team here in Helsinki. So our goal is to be the best founder school in Europe. And what we mean is that we aim to hire extremely smart, ambitious, willing to learn, curious individuals that might not be that experienced yet. And we aim to kind of give them a lot of responsibility and visibility towards the startup ecosystem and how building companies is. And then once they've got to spend a few years here in our team, we hope that they actually fly and start building their own company and many very interesting companies have actually emerged out of the community afterwards. Oh, very cool. Now, you mentioned Slush's role in innovation and being a catalyst, kind of an accelerator in the broadest sense of the term for innovation. You've got ventures themselves and the founders. You've got the finance people. You've got yourselves. There's also, you know, the big companies, strategic partners. Can you provide some advice to that big corporate company type of world, the bigger business community for how to become more innovative and more joyful in their innovation, more effective, like what you're trying to pioneer? Yeah, that is an excellent question. Of course, I'm not an expert in big corporates. However, I've spent some time with startups. And what I kind of find very interesting in startups is that startup is actually a vehicle designed as explicitly for risk taking. So kind of doing something extremely ambitious with a kind of short amount of time and with little resources. And for me, that is super exciting. And something that I'm curious about is whether there would be ways to kind of enable similar risk taking within uh, more established companies, because they do have the kind of resources for that. They have the knowledge they probably have financial resources, other kind of resources. So is it just about the kind of mentality and willingness to take big risks? Because uh, just as we discussed before, the challenges that we're facing, they are super hard and super complex. So if you do not invest in those innovations and kind of encourage risk taking, you cannot expect to solve anything in the future. I mean, that's a good lesson. I mean, big companies are successful because they probably took risks early on. And then when they become successful, just like people, they become more conservative. They try to not lose what they got. So it seems like your advice is, you know, be willing to take more risk or even partner more with some of these crazy idea ventures out there. Is that what you're saying? Something you would propose? Yeah, definitely. It is just about kind of being brave and investing in what you really believe in. You might not really know like what's gonna be the next solution for, for the problem you're solving, but you will have a hunch. And if you have a hunch and a good team, like be willing to invest in it and risk it. 
many of our kind of corporate partners uh, join specifically for finding uh, startups that are building in the same area that they're interested in. And quite often we kind of together with our partners uh, try to define like what kind of companies uh, solutions they're actually after. And then we go on and dive into our startup data and find the companies fitting that criteria. And we do introduce them to each other. And sometimes something beautiful comes out of that. Well, I want to come back to the topic of innovation and joy. Obviously, that's a topic for our season. And many of the prior podcast guests have talked about, you know, the human aspect of expressing yourself and getting joy from building something new, solving a big problem, this relationship between joy and innovation and being human. Can you talk a bit about your philosophy of the relationship between innovating and joy, the innovation and joy kind of continuum? What comes to my mind out of joy of work is those moments when you feel like you're doing something important with people uh, who are smart, who you trust, and who are kind of similarly in it as you are. And for me, that kind of kind of situations are created out of trust like you really need to trust or yeah one of the core values at slush is trust by default and that means that whenever we do hire a new team member we trust them as they would be founders of their own domain from the day one and what we do we of course align on the direction and align on the targets we're on the same page on like where we want to get however we trust them to figure out the way do that kind of target and do that direction and that is something that i've kind of learn to be super valuable tool for innovation also at Slush because that kind of allows the team to be creative and be curious while they're finding their path towards the target that is often quite ambitious. That makes sense to me because it's very rare, I guess, that someone, maybe there's a genius out there that can solve the problem by themselves. But it seems that what you're saying is that you can't do that without a trusted environment, a common purpose, a sense of teamwork, right? It's so fulfilling when everyone's trying to do something together, like any sports team or Broadway producing production or symphony orchestra, having that sense of belonging and trust is really important. And it seems like you found some magic there on there that we need to sort of bottle up and and (laughs) export to more environments. Erica, you're in a unique position. You're leading a group of future leaders. What is your leadership style? How do they follow you? And what have you learned in your role at Slush? Good question. I actually get it quite a lot. And I've thought about it also a bit. And um, something to know about Slush is that, as I described, our team rotates fairly quickly. It's kind of built into the organization that this is not anyone's life's work rather than something that you do for a couple of years. And then you go on and kind of do the next great things. And out of that, I think something that comes very naturally is that our organization cannot be like very focused on certain people. Like I'm the CEO now, but it doesn't mean that this is my company, so to say, or we're following my vision. Rather, we're actually extremely uh, mission-driven company. So Slush's mission is to help and create founders to change the world. And like most questions, most challenges actually come down to that very mission. If you're unsure, just figure out like what helps the founders most and go for that one. This is a project owned by the community, uh, not by the people currently in the team. So it's for the community, not for your ego. So it's about creating this culture of kind of ownership and shared mission. And as long as you have shared mission, things become quite simple. The other thing that we've been focusing on is our set of values. So we do have eight values and we've tried to write them down 
in a way that is extremely actionable. So instead of having like purpose or sustainability, we've listed like specific ways in which we want our team to behave in certain situations. And our values are like extremely actionable tool for every team member of ours in how they lead themselves. So for example, one of our values is trust by default, as I as I already described. And under that value, we've written down some examples of how we make decisions at Slush, uh, how we give feedback at Slush, how we expect our team members to act on if they feel that they're mistreated and so on. Another value of ours, extremely important, is curiosity. As described, our team is super, super young. So there is a lot to learn. Like we're no experts whatsoever. However, what we kind of lack in the years of experience, we really must overcome with our curiosity. So So we speak a lot about like, how do we listen? How do we ask questions? What kind of things do we read? When someone asks for help, how do we respond? These kind of actionable things. It's contagious to feel your energy and your enthusiasm and your commitment to solving some of these amazing, amazingly tough problems. What makes you excited about the future? And what would you like to do to make, to unblock the future? You know, if you had your magic wand, Erica, to uh, make it all easier. I think that's an excellent question. What makes me excited about the future is the fact that we do not know how the future will look like. Like we just do not know. No one can claim uh, to know that. And if they do, they're lying. At the same time, we do know that future is built out of what is happening right now. So everything we do to society as people around the world are building, researching, talking about right now are the building blocks of the future. So even though we do not know how the future will look like, we actually still do have all the pieces here, like right here and right now. And for me, that is so, so exciting because that means that like the more I talk to people, the more I read, the more I visit events, countries, learn about companies, the more I actually know about the future. I won't know the exact format it will take, but I do know that these people and these ideas are building the tomorrow. And that's like extremely exciting for me. You know, I think that optimism, that faith in the future and and in the ability to solve those problems as well as the passion is kind of what's needed. You know, I can say that I have a lot of faith in the next generation. There's so many problems we need to solve and what you're trying to do is a key piece of that and making that making the world a better place. It seems also uplifting the spirits of the next generation, the new ideas, finding a way to channel that into productive techniques there. What would you like to do to unblock it? Again, magic wand, genie in a bottle. Is it mindset? Is it resources? I think you mentioned the key word that is the mindset. Because, well, as said, for example, my own study background, or I already described the situation in Finland 10 years back, how we didn't really have the entrepreneurial culture. All these things are about the mindset, like too often people feel that they need to behave in a certain way or spend their days in a certain way or kind of chase after certain things because they just never stopped and thought about like what's actually important for me or kind of what gets me going or what kind of like when I'm old, what kind of things I want to kind of look back to and be happy about. So it is really about the mindset. So kind of actively trying to set yourself free from what you should do and focus on what you could do and then actually just do (laughs) the things that you can. 
Well, that's a consistent theme we've heard as well over the years. You know, do what you love, love what you do, but be clear on why you're getting up in the morning. You know, what gives you that energy, that passion, all that faith that you so well represent, Erica? Thanks so much for joining us today for this uh, conversation on joy, innovation, and the great things you're doing at Selection, the broader pioneering venture community with the next generation. It's really amazing. It's very inspirational. Thanks. I really enjoyed the conversation. I'm excited to share that my new book, Joy Works, is coming this fall. I cannot wait to share this deeper exploration of joy at work with you. Joy Works is available for pre-order now wherever you buy books. Joy at Work is produced by Carney, a global management consulting firm. We help our clients reach their full potential and find the way forward during uncertain times. We're inspired by Fast Forward, Carney's breakthrough business builder. Fast Forward works with leaders across the globe to inspire new business models that enhance stakeholder value and accelerate tech-enabled growth. Learn more about the show and about our innovative work at carney.com slash joyatwork. And if you enjoyed this show, please check out the other shows in the Carney Podcast Network, including Inside the Mind, Carney's consumer practice leaders uncover how and why people shop today. What does our new consumer behavior mean for the future of the retail industry? And on Supply Chain Shocks, our operations partners explore how supply chains are transforming in order to meet new demands and constraints.